morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Positively different radio right across Australia. This is the Double L team. You are with Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh man, I'm so great. I'm That's, so happy. What What is making you so oh, great and happy this morning? Listen, guys, we, we're going to talk about some news stories coming. I was sitting here. I'm like, man, we are having the slowest news day, particularly in, you know, in the Positively realm different news. Positively different news and good news. You know, it's sometimes tough to find things that are really substantive. Like, like we do our research here and it, and it can often, you know, you're just coming on article on article of just things that are like really irrelevant and that I don't, re- you know, that I or the, the listeners wouldn't really care about. But then we come across the, the best most news story ever. Epic, hectic, good news story. I actually came across another one that's that's similar. So we're gonna have all this really intense good news. Um and I wanna highlight the word there, intense. Really intense good news, uh that will be really good. Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> what are so, you grateful uh, for? Oh, I'm grateful for. So yesterday I was working on a puzzle at my house uh-huh. and I got part of the puzzle solved mm-hmm. and I'm close to fixing the rest of the puzzle and the puzzle is our laundry. <laughs> at the moment we don't have a laundry. Yeah. We haven't had a laundry since we moved in. Our washing machine and dryer is sitting outside and works quite function, functions un- quite well. Is it under so. something? It's kind of under the back porch. Okay. Bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of a... Cover there. Okay, it does nice. get rained on. Oh, that's that's terrible. It's, it works fine. But now you're you're it's white it goods. Out. You know, white goods. They're kind of impervious to weather. We have found out <laughs> through trial and error. Yeah, I mean, it's only when rain sort of blows in that side. But oh, you know. yikes! That's is it rusty? I don't know. No, not at all. It's just all. it's just chilling. Yeah, it's just, dude. What yeah. a win. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now let's have some positively different news. absolutely insane positively different news. Like some positively different news I read about. Well, I didn't read about it. You guys told me about it because I was like, we're having a slow news day. And they were like, Lawson, didn't you you missed the story. Didn't you hear? And then I read it and it blew my mind. Okay, a woman, (laughs) a Malian woman has given birth to nine babies. Nine living babies. Nine living babies. Yes. Of course, this has happened before. Uh, you at know, once. At once. All at once. All at once, yes. At the same time. Nine same living babies uh-huh. all at once. Yes. This has happened twice before uh, in Australia and Malaysia, but the babies usually don't survive, whereas these babies... Are all alive. Are all alive, are all surviving, and she gave birth to all of them at the same time. Okay, so let's stop and think about this. I want you to just wrap your head around this idea for a moment. Let's say that you are a happy young couple and you decide, hey, we want to have children. And then, um, you know, the wife falls pregnant and you start planning for having a child. You might, you know, buy a cot and some a baby change table, a pram and, you know, some bits mm-hmm. and pieces. And then suddenly you find out that you're going to have seven as she found out. Yeah, yeah, because she, she, she found at, out she's going to have first seven. first like seven and then nine came out and they just realised, oh, we mustn't have been able to scan them So the more. ultrasound, the ultrasound, um, you know, when they were looking in there, it was like they missed a couple or they probably... Well, it's just like, imagine, you know, when you look at the ultrasound, how it's kind of like black and then there's like that kind of white overlay that you see. I can't tell anything child. about an ultrasound. It's just like, what is that? That's an alien. <laughs> but it must have just been so dense with children that... Yeah. 
They mix them all up. Yep. And and so, you know, in today's day and age now, let's think about this for a moment. To have a family of nine, right? You know, you, you, Maybe you sit down and say, let's have nine children. That takes a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have, you know, your, your average car is built for five, mm-hmm. you know, three children. Mum and dad, mm-hmm. three children. That's the that's how you know your average house is a three bedroom or four bedroom house. And so suddenly you're going to have nine. You've got to find housing for them. You've got to find transport for them. You've got to come up with nine different names. I mean, what was it? Five girls, four boys, all at once. Mm. Is there a, is there a sport out there that has a nine person team to it? I'm sure there is. If there oh well, is, somebody could, let me know. Like you could make like a five a side team. You know, if we want to keep it local, just make a five a side team and have like. You know, a group of But subs. you could have your whole team as Yep, hundred percent. And they're all the same age. Uh-huh. This is gonna this is gonna be mean for some busy years ahead. My thoughts are like, you know, is there an effect on having this many children on the children themselves? All of them are in incubator incubators at the moment and they will be for a couple of months because yes. they were born at like thirty weeks. Yes. Which is it, extremely premature. In fact, she was admitted to hospital at 25 weeks. Yes. Which is very, very, very early. Uh, But yeah, everyone's just stoked. Essentially, she fell pregnant in Mali. She's like a 25-year-old woman too. Like, that's insane. Like, to be... I'm nearly 25. (laughs) And And having nine children at your age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a bit intimidating. You know, I won't have nine children at my age. But normally if you have nine children, they're kind of spread out, you know, over over about 18 years. Yeah, something like that. At least. At the quickest. At the quickest. Mm-hmm. And so you've got some that are, you know, graduating and moving out of the house, so you're not actually dealing with nine toddlers. Nine toddlers, yeah. Or nine teenagers. It's just a daycare centre, like a full-time one. Just gave birth to a daycare centre. Essentially. Dude, nine babies, that's enough to, like, run, like, a small business on taking care of children. The primary school that I went to one year, from grades one to six, mm-hmm. had a total of eight students. Yeah, wow. This is this bigger is than school. This would have basically. more than doubled my primary school in just one age bracket. The, you have one to think family. this is this is a full time job for this lady. Like, oh yes, for this Malian woman, like it's she's gonna she's gonna have she's gonna need help. Yeah, hundred percent. She's, she's, she's not gonna do this on her own. That's incredible. But yeah, she fell pregnant in Mali and they moved her to Morocco because they were like, uh, you know, as as we were discussing a bit off air, you know, Mali is quite a poor country. Uh, yeah, Morocco's better off. Mor- Morocco's better off, you know, in terms of Africa. So they were like, yep, let's move her to to Morocco. And then they, they she just started pumping out babies. This is, like, so insane. I'm, it kind of, it freaks me out, eh? It's so, like, it gives me a weird feeling because babies are so cool, but then they're not. They're really scary. And then having nine of them at the same time, <laughs> Shell and Lyle are single, laughing at me. This is a single person who's never experienced fatherhood. <laughs> Is there, any, is there any word on the father in the uh, in, in the story that you're looking oh, at? Oh, yeah, dude. The father is epic. So the father, uh, his name is Kader, uh, no, Ad, Adjutant Kader Arby, which is a very African name. And, uh, yeah, he's absolutely stoked to have these children. You know, as you can imagine, they weren't expecting it. But he gave a statement to the BBC that I thought was really incredible. It says, God gave us these children. Oh, he, wow. He is the one who decides what will happen to them. I'm not worried about that. When the Almighty does something, He knows why. That's a great. So He made that statement. He made that statement. That's a great statement so, right there. As he so these are people tell, of faith. These are people of faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's really a powerful thing in this situation because it is super risky. Like they they're looking at this pregnancy and they're like, you know, will these babies survive? That's my thought. Is like, is having these nine children 
so prematurely, you know, they'll all be incubated and brought through and whatnot, but is that going to have effects on their health long-term? Like, all these different things, all these different complications that well, could I've go been, wrong. Well, I, I, know, I know kids that were born, you know, that age and earlier, and, uh, you know, it certainly it does have an effect on their health, but they're certainly very, very glad that they made it. Mm. You know, I think they're glad they're still here. Yeah. You know, you know, they're not dealing with terrible health issues, but, you know, you, you do have some health issues. I mean, hey, the reality is we live in a world of sin. Pretty much everybody has health issues, and if you don't have health issues, well, <laughs> just wait. Just wait. <laughs> it it's, is it's only a matter of time. Inevitable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, this is just powerful. God gave us these children. You know, when the Almighty does something, he knows. He yeah, knows why. That is, that he is. He knows why. If you had nine kids, how would you choose names? You know what would be an interesting thing to do? It would be to choose names from all kinds of different countries. Uh-huh. Or maybe, uh, is there any nine, nine groups of nine names in the Bible? I mean, there's a bunch of twelves. You've got twelve sons of Joseph. You've got twelve disciples. There's a bunch of twelves. But I, don't think, I can't think of a nine, but, you know, if you had twelve, you could name them after one of those groups of twelve. Yeah, but, okay, this is my, my issue. Is like, I'm sure, you know, amongst these, it doesn't specify here, but there would be, you know, a group of boys and a group of girls. But how do you differentiate them? Oh, you're going to have to. Nine babies. You're going to have to label them. It's just not like putting a pink and a blue ribbon on your twins to make sure that you um, recognize each one. I I think that the parents are not going to struggle with recognizing the differences between their children after a short amount of time. Oh, yeah, 100%. But for everybody else, it's like, and and you know these kids are going to have so much fun with it later on in life. Yeah. They're like, no, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> so-and-so did that. <laughs> They're going to blame each other for everything. <laughs> They're going to be the, 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 the clan that gets around there. Everyone's like, oh, it's them again. It's their own gang. Dude, this is so good. All right, that's just an amazing story coming uh, from the other side of the world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so let's um, talk about some more serious news. Um, uh, Joe Biden in the United States has made a proclamation for the annual National Day of Prayer. So this has been something that has been happening every year Mm -hmm. since 1952 when it was introduced by Harry Truman. Mm -hmm. And, of course, every uh, president makes this as an opportunity to make a speech and to talk about prayer and to encourage the nation to come together for a National Day of Prayer. Um, However, Biden this time around has... Um, uh, done a first. Mm-hmm. And the first is that this is the first time that a president has ever announced the National Day of Prayer without having any mention of God or the Bible. Ooh. So is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because I was sort of stopping to think about this. Okay, so Biden is calling the nation to prayer. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Not everybody in the nation is religious. That doesn't matter. If you're not religious, then don't pray. But we also shouldn't assume that everybody in the nation is, you know, evangelical Christian either. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're Roman Catholic Christian, as Joe Biden is, and if you're having a national day of prayer, then you've got a lot of different options as to who you pray to. So for an evangelical Christian or for uh, a Muslim or a Jew, you only pray to God. Mm -hmm. But for a Roman Catholic, you've got the option of praying to the saints. Yeah. So you, by not mentioning God, then you leave it open for 
Roman Catholics to participate as well in a way that would be meaningful for them and also think about people like, say, for instance, Hindus, they have many gods mm-hmm. um, and other you know, more minor polytheistic religions in a multi-religious community that values religious liberty for everybody. Is this actually more appropriate not to assume that everybody is monotheist? Mm. Well, I, I think the thing is is that like the, the National Day of Prayer was established as a Christian thing. So, so you could kind of view it two ways. It's like either, you know, it's, 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 uh, a diminishing on Christianity or a propping up, you know, and an inclusion of other, other religions. That's kind of the two ways. Yes. And by avoiding the Bible, of course, you've had, you've, uh, allowed for other religious texts like the Quran and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I, I hate answering these questions. <laughs> okay, sorry, you, because you know you that whichever, so di- whichever direction you go, I'm going to smash you. You're just going to attack me. I'm, <laughs> That's right. I'm just not about it. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not feeling that this morning. But no, I. A national day of prayer is good. Yes, we uh, all agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just because I don't believe in any of, say, the Hindu gods, doesn't mean that I would tell Hindus you don't get to participate in the national mm-hmm. day of prayer. That would be wrong in a country that values religious mm. liberty. I think the big question is how ecumenical do we make these kinds of things? Does this then mean that every faith leader and faith community has to get together and sit through each other's prayers? And you know, should, the, do- should the government be government be enforced? Well, not enforcing, but having a national day of prayer, mm, instigating it, instigating it. Mm. Should this be something that would be led by uh, churches or religions rather than the government? Mm. But th- that's the scary thing. Is that like this is in the realm of religion? Mm. Where, because you know, for me personally, like the idea of yeah, ecumenicalism and and all the religions coming together is is like that's a a bit of a scary thing for me. Like there's a thing oh, that it makes yes. me un- it makes me uncomfortable. Yes, at there's the same a lot of time, good things about it, but it makes me uncomfortable. At the same time, the mixing of church and state is also a very, very much makes me uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Oh, is, so is having the day good or bad? Man, we are really deconstructing this law. We are. Maybe we were overthinking it. Mm, maybe we are. Maybe we should get but, you over know, ourselves. Is it, is it then wrong for a president to make a religious proclamation that reflects his own personal beliefs? Because this one obviously reflects his own personal beliefs because by mm. uh, purposely leaving the mention of God out of the announcement, he has allowed for you know, people of his faith who prefer to pray to saints on that particular day or pray to Mary mm. or something like mm. that. Because he's Anglican, right? He's uh, Roman Catholic. Oh, okay. Fair yes. enough. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, so uh, moving on to the war on children. Let's talk about the war on children. And we've got uh, Christian leaders, a number of Christian leaders uh, who are speaking up about this in the United States. And this has come about as a result of Barna research that has just been conducted, which shows that 31% of teens and young adults believe that what is morally right changes. Okay. So there's no such thing as absolute morality. Morality is whatever you want morality to be yeah. Yeah, at, at the time. Now, what's interesting with that figure, the 31% figure, is that that represents a 6% increase in two years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big increase. And out of that same group of teens and young adults, only 4% of them have believe in a biblical worldview. 
Okay. So this is the plummeting of Christianity. And when you look at that, it's sort of, you know, it's a little bit scary initially, but we need to remember that there have been times in the in the past when Christianity has been a much, at a much lower ebb than what it is right now. You know, mm-hmm. you think of the time of, say, Abraham or Daniel. Mm. You know, how many followers of God were there in the world uh, in those particular times and how discouraged, you know, the worldwide it might have been. Okay, so some uh, uh, religious leaders, John MacArthur, he's the pastor of the Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. He had this to say in a sermon on the subject, this is what we're facing, is fierce, I will confess. But of all the things that disturb me in this culture, all of the horrific, sinful, wretched, wicked, corrupt influences that go on in this culture, I think that the thing that distresses me most is the war on children. Strong mm-hmm. words, strong yeah, sermon. Yeah, right. yeah. He's not holding back. The entertainment industry, social media, big tech literally pumps out things that destroy children. Mm. Children are under relentless assault by the forces of evil, and they are defenseless. Well, they're not defenseless if they have parents. Mm-hmm. And their parents should be their first line of defense. He went on to say, Our country and the politicians who lead it are making laws that are devastating to children under the pressure of sexual freedom, homosexuality, transgenderism. The desire is to make that normal and to punish people who speak against it with laws in the category of hate speech. The the lies dominate the ideologies um, of universities and even churches. When their parents sell them to a human trafficker who drops them 8 to 10 feet over a wall into Sodom and Gomorrah all by themselves, or when the Disney Corporation creates characters that are transgender to seduce children into accepting wickedness as normal, or when parents insanely offer their children gender identity options, children are under assault now. Mm. Pretty strong words. It is the God-given responsibility of parents to raise children to fear and love the Lord. Um, God judges when one generation fails its responsibility to pass on righteousness to the next. Yeah, well. You know, I read that through there, and it it's definitely not put in words that I would use, but I agree with the general sentiment of what he's saying right there. Mm. Um, children are definitely uh, under attack. Singer uh, Kira Fontana uh, formerly worked for Glee and The Voice, She had this to say, the content coming out of the secular entertainment industry is darker than most people could ever imagine and is poisoning children like never before. If you look at the content of the lyrics of the songs that are played on the radio, it's unbelievably immoral and Mm. dark and anti-Jesus. When I started to see the sheer percentage of songs and videos that were leaning heavily in that direction, I came to recognize that it could not be an accident. People in very powerful positions are backing it. There are gatekeepers who are wanting this content that we hear now to be prevalent in our society. It's akin to poisoning our community. Our kids are drinking from a very, very destructive cup. I saw the effect on kids as I worked in the city, and that effect is spreading. People try to minimize what comes out of Hollywood and say, oh, it's just entertainment. But it has a tremendous effect on the psyches and souls of mm-hmm. our young people. The church needs to stand up against this darkness because it's truly having a devastating effect on the next generation. Wow. And uh, we could keep reading there a couple of other reactions to this from uh, major faith leaders in the United States. We are out of time. But the Bible says that by beholding, we become changed. Mm. It's a law of the mind. What you look at is what you become like. Let's all focus on Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Ah, Very good. We're joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. Paul Wood. Uh, Dr. Paul Wood, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. 
Now, um, as our resident, I guess, uh, GP here on Faith FM Radio, we like to talk about health. I understand that today we're going to be spending some time talking about ecotherapy, ecotherapy and the benefits of vitamin N. What are we actually talking about when we talk about ecotherapy and vitamin N? Yeah, so well, basically we're talking about um, time in nature. So, okay, um, so vitamin N I, being vitamin yeah. nature. Correct, that's right. Um, one, of my, one of my favorites, um, I guess, experts in lifestyle medicine, uh, Dr. Darren Morrison, um, is quoted as saying, blue and green should often be seen. And I, um, I guess it's about time out of nature, blue skies, sunshine, green grass and trees, that's what comes to mind. And, of course, ocean, rivers, lakes are going to bring some blue with them. And if you're walking along the beach or walking beside a lake or walking beside a river, you're going to be getting lots of green as well. Absolutely. Okay, so what what's the actual problem that we are facing uh, in society today when it comes to the issue of vitamin N and ecotherapy? Yes, I guess really since the Industrial Revolution, we've been sort of moving indoors more. So often we're surrounded by grey walls, um, lots of bricks and mortar, whereas, you know, for thousands of years we've been living and working and playing and exercising all in an outdoors environment. So I guess this phenomenon of of spending time indoors, surrounded by lots of bricks and mortar, is a a fairly relatively new phenomenon. And one of the things I find most interesting is how how much people keep their curtains closed uh, and, you know, part of the challenge of living in town, and we, we are living this year, we've lived this last year in town for the first time in our lives, is that, you know, you have neighbours and so you sort of want to keep the curtains closed and it sort of defeats the purpose of having windows in the first place. Uh, is this contributing to it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it affects, you know, it affects things like our mood, for example, can affect our sleep, you know, get a, get a lack of bright light. Um, there's actually been a, a, a term that's been used to coin this, this the sort of lack of nature now. I should mention it's not a, a medically diagnosable term, but it's been, the term's been used is nature deficit disorder or MDD for short. So there's a bloke called Richard Lewis who first coined the term. Um, so I guess if you're looking at what's the deficiency of this modern or nature, it's, um, it's nature deficit disorder. Yeah, that's, uh, you're breaking up a little bit there on the phone. I did miss the last little bit of that, but I want to move on, and hopefully that phone line's going to clear up a bit. Um, talking about, you know, is this just a mood thing? Is our, just something that our mood is going to improve when we are around nature? Or is it actually going to have physiological effects on our body, you know, things like, you know, pain and so forth? Yeah, it literally does seem to help with physiological Actually, they looked at pain specifically, and what they did in this study was they uh, looked at patients who were having bladder surgery, and um, half the group in the study had a window that looked down, down into a beautiful leafy park before some green trees. The other half of the study subjects were looking at a brick wall, and what they found in this study was that those who severe the nice um, green leafy park actually that's 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 interesting and and Paul I just want to um maybe go a, a little bit off script with the question here but something that just I, I've observed is that when people are suffering from a mental illness or depression in particular um, they shut themselves off from nature generally speaking um, 
is this the brain itself trying to, you know, following a self-destructive path where it's actually cutting itself off from what it actually needs? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and I, I guess when you're sort of feeling down and up, feeling low, um, you're having a sense of hopelessness, um, you can tend to do that. Whereas if you sort of, I guess, have hope, you kind of think, oh, what can I do to lift my mood? Um, I know getting outside of nature is going to work well, but when you're feeling down and dumped and depressed, sometimes that, that desire to um, do something to feel better um, can actually, actually go, particularly when depression is particularly bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so when it comes to exercise, of course, we have a proliferation of gyms, um, and going to the gym, of course, is a great thing. Have some exercise, very, very important part of living a healthy lifestyle. Are you better off to do your exercise inside in the gym or outside in nature? Can you kind of get a double dose of health benefits if you do it outside? Yeah, so, so firstly, exercise is very important for you to exercise in nature. So if you do anything you can do is exercise indoors, that. Having said that, we do know that people who exercise outdoors, like if you compare somebody who exercises on a treadmill versus somebody who, who exercises outside, what tends to happen is we tend to walk faster when we're outdoors. And one of the reasons for that seems to be that we actually perceive our level of exertion has been worse in outdoors. Now, perhaps that might be to get distracted by the night sunshine or the mess you're looking at. Um, but we do tend to go harder when we're actually outdoors. The other thing that seems to be helpful by exercising outdoors is the new benefits of exercise. So exercise alone we know helps improve chemicals like serotonin and noradrenaline and importance, all these things that help them move. But um, exercising outdoors actually probably gives you a bit more of a, of a boost. Um, in fact, there was a study back in 2008 called the Health Survey what they found was that there was actually a 50% improvement in mood for those who exercise the outdoors versus um, indoors. I um, thought I back in 11 looked at a bunch of different studies, um, 11 in total, and they found that both of those studies actually showed a more favorable benefit um, for improvement of well-being for those who exercised um, outdoors versus indoors. But having said that, if you can exercise, um, even if you're exercising indoors, it's still better than not exercising at all. Yeah, most definitely. And of course, you know, sometimes it's raining, the weather is inclement, you know, uh, many parts of the world, it might be snowing through the winter and so forth, which might make it very difficult or even dangerous to be outside. So definitely head off to the gym if the weather is not so good. But if you get the chance, sounds like outside is definitely the way to go. And one of the things that I've noticed myself is that, um, I, you know, I love to go camping, I love to get out the bush and spend time in nature and, and that kind of thing. And I find that I actually sleep better when I've spent time, you know, extensive amounts of time outside and wake up feeling more refreshed. Is that a real thing? Is it caused by being in nature? Or is that just that I am sort of, I guess, uh, more exhausted because, or more tired, I should say, not exhausted, but more tired because I've been more active? You know, well, that's a real thing. As long as you have a comfortable mattress. I'm actually going camping this weekend. Um, unfortunately, there's still more mattress from camping, so I, I don't have it. Um, back in the study, um, back in 2013, was a sort of bunch of people who have been sleeping camping. And this is for, this is for a week. And what I actually found was that after a week of camping where they weren't exposed to any artificial light, but just, you know, sort of sunrise and sort of sunset, 
um, sitting in a campfire. What they found after that one week was that people were falling asleep a whole two hours earlier. Um, so same researchers did a, a study a couple years later, just looking at what's the benefit for camping for a weekend. And still little benefits from just going camping for a weekend in terms of improving uh, sleep and terms of bringing the, the time to fall asleep um, for it earlier. Yeah, and Paul, I'm just wondering whether you might be able to move a little bit there, see if we can get a bit of a, a better phone signal coming through. We're really struggling to hear that. We're getting, um, we're getting the general gist of what you're talking about. But um, while you find a better, a, a better spot to talk for us, you know, I just wanted to mention that you know, there's been a uh, well, when when I've gone camping for extensive periods of time, say for instance, you know, you, you head out into the outback for a month. And it's just fantastic. And, you know, your first few nights you sort of you stay up late and you socialise with all the other people that you're camping with. But the longer that you spend out there, the earlier you seem to be wandering off to bed and catching that good night's sleep. Um, but as you say, it is important to have a good mattress when you go camping so that you can have that good sleep. Um, Paul, I'm wondering whether you could uh, comment. I understand that in 2019 there was a very, very extensive uh, Swedish study Nearly a million people, 900,000 people uh, involved in this study. What was this one all about? Yeah, well, this was a study looking at um, and um, children who grew up in, I guess, like a suburban environment versus an environment with them exposure to um, parks and trees, for example. And what they actually found was that um, children who grew up with a lot of things have a 55% higher risk of developing a psychiatric disorder. Um, and that was independent of the risk factors. So, yeah, things that exposure to nature um, as a child growing up seems to offer some protection against um, illness. Yeah, Paul, um, I don't know that that's a better spot to be standing in, but uh, just picking up on some of the things that you're mentioning, the, mentioning there, and this is really quite dramatic uh, when we stop and think about it. Uh, children growing up with the lowest levels of green space. And so this is, you know, kids that grow up in apartments and so forth, you know, what I often refer to as vertical, human vertical, vertical, vertical filing cabinets for humans, um, you know, have a 55% higher risk of developing a psychiatric disorder, um, completely independent from uh, other known risk factors. That is a massive figure and should be a huge wake-up call for any parents who are trying to raise their children in an apartment or a similar kind of environment. This is one of the worst things that you can actually do for your kid's health is to have that. And if you are having to live in that kind of environment, I understand, you know, there are some parts of the world, you know, maybe you live in Singapore or Hong Kong or something or other where you just don't have those uh, green spaces available, then... I would encourage you to really get out there and to make an intentional effort every day and at the least every week to spend very, very large amounts of time, you know, in the parks that are made available and in the green spaces that you can actually find um, because this is going to have a huge effect on their health. Uh, Paul, can you comment very quickly on domestic violence? Yeah, um, and I guess it's in a similar situation with exposure to green, but um there was a 2001 study that found that public housing tenants um, who had exposure to more green environments tended to experience less mental disorders and actually experienced lower levels of aggression and violence. So, yeah, that, that exposure to nature seems to have a bit of a calming effect and um, helpful for reducing stress levels, which may contribute to things like domestic violence from people who are lucky sort of closed in. 
I wonder whether there are some lessons to be learned here for our prison system and, you know, uh, correctional centres and so forth because you sort of look at those and you take people and lock them up behind, you know, concrete grey walls that can't be good for their mental health and for their rehabilitation back into society. Okay, so a couple of ways, a, a, a quick list of ways to get more vitamin N. Vitamin nature. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, for those of you who work offices, you just try and get outside at lunchtime. So for me, uh, now I hang out for my, my lunchtime walk. Uh, when I get outside and, you know, walking in amongst the trees and um, around from the park, around where I work, but um, eating a lunch outside is another idea. Um, and camping, that's a few miles. I've got a, a, a national park you haven't visited before, um, or maybe if it's a little part of go, it's a local zoo. Um, for some of those who live in apartment buildings, for example, simply bringing some greenery indoors can help. So they might be bringing in some nice green indoor plants, um, or having a little water feature inside. That can bring a bit of nature to you. Um, for those who have families, try going for a walk after dinner. Uh, it's a benefit for this becoming nature as well. But many ideas um, of ways to get out of nature. Um, I guess the key thing is make sure you get some vitamins in every day. Dr. Paul Wood, thank you so much for coming on the show to join us and talk about vitamin N, vitamin nature today, and how critical it is for our good health. We're going to move on with the show. This is Jaden Levick with Nothing But The Blood. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.